it's a real challenge for these businesses, I think, when they scale. They've, they've got a purpose, they've got a why. Then how do you scale with that without losing it? Welcome to Statements of Intent. In this 20-minute episode, we're addressing how e-commerce has lost sight of the people at its very heart. You, the customer. It's a chat that's optimistic, it's casual, it's probably slightly ranty in places, but that's okay. But it's a place where I talk to senior e-commerce marketers and share their statement of how they're looking to change the status quo of e-commerce, adding more care, being more considerate to those very people that they're selling to, the customer. I'm your host, David Mannheim, the founder of Made of Intent, and we're going to jump right into it. Have fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Statements of Intent. I'm here with Castor Chris. Uh, <laughs> Chris, we're both in our Castor gear uh, because we're merged up, although I think I have slightly more Castor gear on. You're doing well. I'm not for the lanyard, but that's, that's unfair to kind of expect that from you. Well, when you send me a lanyard, I shall wear it. Uh, <laughs> but until then, we actually go, we actually go pretty way back because I knew you from your current body days where you're head of e-commerce there. Uh, and Correct. now you're e-commerce director at Castor. Uh, how is everything going? How is the world of Castor? Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting right now, I guess. Uh, I think the, the, the latest bit is the, the, the round of investment that's kind of hit the press. Um, so from a business perspective, really strong. It's been a, I'm, I'm slightly fatigued, both with baby, as I, we were discussing a bit before the recording, but I so throw in the, um, the, the, the worst time to do that on Black Friday, but from a business perspective, it was really successful. It was the first time we were taking all our partners through that Black Friday period as well. You know, Fidord and Red Bull and a, a few big kind of partners, but um, no, no, it, it surpassed expectations. So we're in a good spot. And how how big are Castor now? Like, how many brands do you do you do you manage and look after? Because I, I remember you talking to me about the concepts of Castor and me naively thinking it was just a single brand, a single entity, but it's so much more than that. From the manufacturing mm. to the retail to the production. Yeah, and that's it. We're up to about, well, I look after about 30 sites now on the portfolio. So six of those are, are Castor and, and localized versions of that. But yeah, yeah. So the, you've got um, everything like your F1 team. So McLaren and Red Bull. Um, we've got our, our football clubs, uh, Rangers, Newcastle, um, Milton Keynes, Dons, Charlton. Um, there you go into cricket with ECB and uh, not into rugby teams as well, Scarlets, um, Harlequins. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's a fairly big roster now what we've, we've got that we, we look after in my team. Absolutely mental. And your, your statement of intent here today is losing purpose as you scale. So I thought I'd nicely segue from <laughs> tell us how big Castor actually is. <laughs> our purpose. Obviously, I'm not talking about Castor losing purpose as you scale, being directly related to Castor, but that's your statement of intent. What talk to us about that as a statement? Why do you care about that so much? Yeah, I think I almost flip it into a positive. Really, I think the two most recent examples you mentioned me, Yuck, uh, uh, coming on, and you had obviously great insight in terms of what we did there, um, or and what the guys still doing there. You know, so Castor. Um, and hopefully that's two really strong examples of people who've managed to get over this hurdle that have scaled without that. But I think um, it was curious when we were discussing this, right? Because um, I've been at some bigger businesses and I've, I didn't particularly enjoy it. So I've always tried to lead, gone for those kind of 
fast growth companies and enjoyed that little bit of a journey. Mm. Um, now, current body I was with right from the early days when they were, you know, relatively small speaking in terms of, you know, seven figure in uh, revenues going through, but it was, um, it was their first round of funding at the time. Um, and I think obviously I wasn't there for the cast all period, so I don't want to speak with confidence about that. But both those two were in, you know, markets were crowded already. They weren't, cast also a, a very good niche. They could go after this and they could do it better. You know, more premium materials, more premium products. Current body was going into the beauty space, which was crowded, but they thought, look, we can do this better. Um, we can sell a, you know, curated selection of products. We'll make sure that that the products are shot beautifully, that the product descriptions be all right, that they have the best customer experience that's possible. No one else can deliver. And that was really their why that they went out there at the start that said for investors, when they were looking to fast track things, that was their why, their purpose. And then it almost does it kind of slightly conflict with bringing someone like me in there who's typically tasked with growing that, right? So Castor went from two websites when it was there to 20 in like four and a years and then we don't discuss Castor. The Castor was up to five websites when it arrived, and it's up to thirty in just shy of two years. So it's that real challenge we see where brands try to grow. As they grow, suddenly what was you know look at that everybody dates twelve people sat on a, an office space with far too many empty desks, and the owners could touch everything. And you know you know Andrew Sherman, he loved to touch everything. He's, <laughs> he did. You know, I didn't love the odd. There we go. <laughs> but even Lawrence did, they were, they were uh, amazingly smart individuals and they, their touch was obvious across everything from both design to descriptions and everything. And as soon as you get something like that, you know, you think about the first task we had at Current Body, which was, right, let's bring in a German crew, a uh, Spanish recruit and a French recruit and launch these other client sites. And then suddenly that extra layer comes in that the, the owners become that little bit further away from it, that they, they're the, the core people of this purpose. They're the owner of that purpose, aren't they? And then suddenly they have to hope that this seeps through but as the business and organization just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, you look at Castor here that's gone from, I think, 125 people to 500 people in the last two years. That's a massive shift in people. And they, you know, I'm sure the owners don't want to speak on their behalf, but they used to know everyone's name. And now, you know, every day, uh, sorry, every week you'll get the tour and you recruit. So it's, it's a real challenge for these businesses, I think, when they scale. They've, they've got a purpose. They've got a why. Then how do you scale with that? without losing it. And I think you see some really interesting examples out there where we're, we probably all know those, those companies that have done that. And it looks diluted, doesn't it? Because it what, what was their purpose? It feels inauthentic at times. Um, we, I, I, was, I was chatting to a chap called Ed Deason about this, who was the ex-head of eco, um, ex-customer um, experience, uh, head of customer experience at Wiggle and Pret-a-Manger. And he was talking about this concept of as you scale, you you have more need for efficiencies. And those might be things like on the phone, not speaking to as many people or being very short and succinct about your response that you type back to that individual, that person. Whereas previously it was all about, I guess, care and intimacy. And you almost lose that as you scale because of the need for efficiencies. Does that, does that resonate with you? Would you scale that? say that efficiencies are almost the antithesis of, of scale and necessary evil? I think absolutely, absolutely. And I think, but I, th I, th I think the, um, the bit for me is how that narrative can flow through when you hire someone from it, especially from the two organizations I've been at recently, where you grow into this international field. 
that's where it almost becomes tricky as well, because you suddenly got to take what is a why that is very concrete and easily for everyone to assess and see whether it's, it still matches that why. But then you, you, you throw it to another market where you can't easily, imagery, yeah, you can evaluate relatively easily, but you know, unless you're a very multilingual, you're going to go into areas that just aren't easily identified, whether it's even relevant for that market. I think the, but I think it's a really valid point of, yeah, suddenly efficiency and cost saving does play that part, doesn't it? As soon as um, investment becomes involved, it's going, that adds that extra level of pressure, which means yeah. you might lose that love, care, and attention. But I, you know, I put it back to the fact that everybody, you know, still they, 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 he's carving out that, that, that pot of money to make sure that you don't lose that, right? That they, they still have live chat agents on their top people through them buying process still, that they still train them up to a certain level. But you can see with businesses of a similar help being passed on, whether that's the first to go in a, in a PL that's going to make it look a bit more attractive. Yeah, especially yeah, within especially like a sales, sales process, process or an investment process, process. it's required to be more profitable and therefore the only way to be more profitable <laughs> is to decrease your cost or increase your margin. Do you feel as though, I mean, do you feel as though bigger businesses have more of a purpose than smaller businesses? Is that a, like a, a far reaching statement? Is that too leading your question? That's <laughs> curious, man. but. I, I think a lot of small to, su to survive and, and make that shift from small to large, it's got to be purpose, right? Because unless you've got, unless you're an Elon Musk and you're bringing a product out there that is completely game changing, the chances are you're to the market that some would come deep saturated, whether it is or not. But with the two that we talked about that these guys have been relatively successful in beauty and sport, you know, if we'd had a conversation about seven years ago, is there a room for another big sportswear brand on there? We'd probably go, it's probably not the most sensible one to go out there. And, you know, there's some gambles there, but they, their purpose shone through and, and grew. I think that's probably, I'll flip the question a little bit going, I don't think there's that small, larger purposes have necessarily a more of a purpose together, but for a small to grow into that large section, purpose is really the only thing you've got unless you're completely innovating in that space. That's right. Like a made with intent, for example, that feels like a, a very natural segue. Yeah, but it is a little bit like that because I think that's the whole thing with made with intent is, is remembering your intent all the way through with this, right? I think this is where they're really curious about. And then what you kind of bring to the table with this is when we discuss about, you know, how we look at these things. I'm probably the worst for it because my role typically is increase awareness, increase revenue, reduce costs, improve efficiency. Probably four KPIs I get talked about the most. So there is that temptation, but to look beyond those harder metrics and look at some of the softer KPIs that probably underlie that, I think is a crucial one. They time spent on page, conversion rates, individual product level. You know, are you still reflecting those true values that made the brand what it is? I think, you know, this, this is probably one of the key resolutions to that problem in my mind is that you have to recruit a senior team that sits underneath the owners that can remove them from the business and allow them to do what they need to do that share that passion share that understanding of it and be able to pass that on to the team to execute right so i think that's, that, that's kind of yours and my role in this when we when we take on andrew showman's latest challenge <laughs> two name drops in, a, in one podcast uh he's gonna hate us um <laughs> yeah that's I, I find that really fascinating. That as a concept. How do you, 
How do you feel as though as purpose changes internally for the business that that impacts how they communicate to customers externally? <clears throat> Another tough Very interesting. So, no, 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 no. I, I think is that that's the challenge of these businesses on this scale, right? That suddenly the purpose can get diluted and lost. And you, you suddenly the teams underneath, you look at current body again, it's a prime example. When you get to a team where you have 20, 25 people and you can't look at every single email that goes on. You can't look at every single product description is done or even understand it because they lack of skill sets. Um, you can look at things that are a little bit more scalable, like imagery and past comment. Um, and it becomes a, a lot like, I think this is, again, goes back to that senior manager role, what was it, isn't it, within the organizations going, do you have those people who can take that purpose and that understanding why and can you translate it through? Because you're not going to be able to be across all everything. So you have to be able to see his communication skills. It comes back to, can you pass on that purpose? Has the clear business clearly defined what it's about? Is the purpose clear? Because often that is the case. You go, well, you know, they're doing with the best of what they can do, but they haven't really understood what the, the USPs and the products are. And if they haven't understood the, the USPs and the products and the, the purpose of the brand, it's going to get diluted because they're going to default to something that they don't know. Process is, is great because you can go, okay, have you ticked a box? You've written the product description on this, but that's almost where that, that level of going. And tick boxing is a dangerous thing because it's actually quantitative, uh, qualitative rather than quantitative, isn't it? In terms of you've got to understand that that product description doesn't need to be executed, it needs to be executed with the intent and purpose of the people. Nope. Um, whenever someone mentions the, the, the term intent in, a, in a, like a casual sentence, there's nothing, I don't know, my, my ears always prick up because I'm now so used to it, you know. Um, I've got to drop your brand in there a few times, haven't I? You drop Castor in there, so I need to return the favor. <laughs> I do. I'm repping the Castor brand, so it makes sense for you to reciprocate. Um, oh, when I get them made from the 10th cap, I'll put that on. <laughs> we actually have them already. In fact, you can yeah, buy them. We have a, like a drop shipping uh, test site where you can get caps, mugs, and iPhone cases. I think it is. It's very, very geeky. <laughs> but we move away, right? We move away from the purpose of our discussion. I was just chatting with um, the CDO of Ribble Cycles, Matt Lawson, who I think you may know, actually. And he was talking about their purpose over at Ribble being one of uh, going for the brand, not the sale, is how he describes it. This um, like uh, conflict almost between long-termism and short-termism or immediacy and nurturing. Like, What is the purpose and therefore uh, how do you communicate that at Castor? Yeah, I, 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 I certainly um, resonate with that. I think uh, Castor Wine is growing so well, but we've got to remember what we're about. We're about making athletes better. We're about the quality of our products. We're going to be proud of that. Um, Castor is in a, an amazing position where there's so many opportunities that are, are coming in front of us, but we're, it's about selecting the right ones and what is true to our values. And I think that, that, that's it going, Gag. Probably the one I can speak most comfortably about is around the digital market side. You get opportunities going, what are the, what are the channels we're going to grow on this? What's the best thing to do? Um, not necessarily what's the easy win. Like there is discount retailers who want to work with, or discount affiliates who want to work with, it, et cetera, et cetera. And it's talking about brand alignment at that point, isn't it? Mm. And going a short term, to, to pull it back to his example, a short term win is there. Can I smash my weekend figures? Yes, I can. 
Will it make get me a cattle back on the weekend? Yes. But is that going to undermine my ultimate goal, which is about representing the castor brand in the way it needs to be and fulfilling that in the long term? Because people like yourself, there's a reason, hopefully, you bought some, I don't know why, we never discussed that. Why did you buy, buy into the castor brand? What was it about for you that, that kind of attracted you into it? Good question. Flipping the script. Um, honestly, one of my good friends, Ryan Jordan, he loves the brand so much. He always looks so good in, in the stuff. Uh, and then when I started, I, I don't know if I should say this, but you do uh, like um, uh, stores at like Cheshire Oaks, discounted. Stuff. We do, yeah, we have an outlet store, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I went there once, tried on the stuff, and I was like, wow, this is actually excellent quality. Uh, like this feels brilliant. I think it's a, like a waterproof material. But yeah, it's yeah. On the inside. Um, it's the Garcia you got, right? I think it's the Garcia. It's the Garcia you've got on, I think, is it? No idea what it's called, buddy. Uh, and you did a, like a Reese combination. Recently, you've done a 007 uh, collaboration as well. So I don't yeah. know. I, for me, it was less about the brand and more about the, uh, maybe it wasn't, uh, but uh, the aspiration probably is there and the feel. I think it feels like Yeah. So... That's exactly what we want to get across. And you know, I think it's that sticking. I love the brand Ribble. I, I think they're, they're a great brand. Um, and they've got similar challenges. So there, there is, I can absolutely see that he'd have short termism temptation with it. Yeah. But he's got much more bigger aspirations. And again, I don't want to speak on behalf of Castor because the owners in there, the, 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 the C suite will have their, their strong views on this. But I think for, for my side, it's about being the, I'm a custodian of this brand, and I don't want to dilute that in any way by going after that, that short-term win. I wonder if that gets that's a harder uh, stake in the ground to hold as the business increases in size, or whether it's an easier stake in the ground to hold as the business increases in size. Have you, have you found it, or is it a consistent set of values that you just believe in throughout, despite the scale of the business? I generally believe, I think, that the... the, the whole thing is it is definitely harder is it because um you know you you have owners and c-suites that believe this they then trust me as a director to be consistent with that pass that on to the team but we're a melting part of our of our past histories right you know we hopefully not try and get us sued but you drop in certain companies that people have come from who you get brilliant staff from but will have certain mechanics they're used to. Mm. Um, and you're bringing them there because of the people they are and the abilities they've got, not necessarily their past experiences. So you have to achieve that to, to what you want them to believe in. And also, the, you know, the harsh reality is that you're always going to have those hard metrics that you hold those people to as well, right? So, you know, you're, 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 you're demanding one thing out of them, but at the same time, you, you, you also got to be that. You've got to have that brand hat on all the time. Literally, the brand hat you've taken off, actually. That would be a good time to, uh, to put mine on. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I, the concept of your purpose and your values and your mission relates to how people interact with each other and communicate internally, and therefore that impacts how they communicate to people externally, i.e. customers. And that surely is the winning combination. So it feels as though if you work backwards and you start with your mission and you, you ensure your mission is consistent and is of, uh, of good grounding, and that in theory should flow through despite how big or small you are. Yeah, especially uh, to your point, the bigger you get, the harder it is. But it's a necessity because that purpose 
got you there in the first place. And therefore, despite the temptations, I think it's so key to, to kind of pull that through and make it consistent. I love that, Chris. Chris, you're a very self-aware individual. Uh, you're clearly doing a really good job over at Castle. Thank you so much for like spending just 20 minutes of your time with us talking about what you believe in. So I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for being a customer. There we have it. Thank you so much for listening. Please do like, subscribe, and share on whatever platform it is that you're listening to on today. This show comes from the team behind Made With Intent, the customer intent platform for retailers. If you are, of course, interested in being more profitable whilst being more personal, then please feel free to check us out at madewithintent.ai. Thanks again for listening and joining us on our mission to change how e-commerce sees, measures, and treats their customers. I've been your host, David Mannheim. Have a great day.